Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us in studio today is South Africa's Minister of Social Development, Susan Shibangu, an appointment that she has held since February 2018. Prior to this role, she served as Minister of Women in the Presidency. She has also served as Minister of Mineral Resources. She was Deputy Minister of the Department of Safety and Security and Deputy Minister of Minerals and Energy from 1996 to 2004. She's a member of parliament. She's also a member of the African National Congress's National Working Committee, as well as a member of the NEC for the ANC. Welcome to the show, Minister. Thank you very much. Minister, when we initially met, you were Minister of Women. Now you're heading the Department of Social Development, which is the custodian of social protection. And many people know that the department oversees social assistance programs. We spoke earlier that there are 12 million children that are being supported by grants and there are another 5 million people, whether they're in the disability space or pension space. So 17 million people are are receiving grants of one form or another. But the department also does extensive work with different programs, whether it's early childhood development, tackling substance abuse, gender-based violence. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of your key programs? Thank you very much and uh, welcome to the listeners uh, and sharing them about social development. <clears throat> I must say that it's a it's a huge portfolio. It's a portfolio which covers various areas which intend to deal with uh, poverty alleviation. And I must also say mainly our responsibility is more to address issues of the vulnerable, vulnerable people. You know, when you talk about persons with disability, it's our responsibility. When you talk about early childhood development, it's our responsibility. Also protection of children in terms of Children's Act, we are the custodian. So we have a very large scope of our responsibility. But then critical one, which is very important for us as part of uh, poverty alleviation and making sure that we are able to move forward, it's the issue of social protection for our people and that covers people with uh, disability old age pensioners we cover also orphans foster care grants we also look at uh, vulnerable people so it's all these issues which are covered under social development so when you look at all that and say what is our responsibility as social development our responsibility is to uplift the life of the vulnerable. And that's our beneficiary, that's our client, the vulnerable. So as social development, we'll move from a premise now to say we also provide welfare. But very key for us, we are no longer social welfare where we come from. We are now social development. So it becomes very key for us to define that portfolio within the space of developmental approach. So that's why as we give relief, we also make sure that people are able to find their footing and be able to be much more productive again. It's an important shift, one, from dependency (coughs) to sustainability. 
And offline, we spoke about some of the programs that you're starting out, uh, looking at, for instance, uh, forming partnerships with Google to start training pilot programs that children can learn coding so that they can participate in our 4IR or fourth industrial revolution world. I think it's a very important program. As I say, we talk about development. If you look at where we are currently, we have, for instance, uh, providing child grant to 12 million children in South Africa. And as we know that one of the biggest challenges we're facing is teenage pregnancy. And those of, most of them are of school-going age, and they are dropouts. And you know, because of the background where they come from, parents become very irritated and upset to say they're trying to change their lives and give them and make them better than them. But uh, most young girls, unfortunately, not because of their own doing, they become victims of uh, uh, early pregnancy. So I believe that it's important for us to say, with all these young people falling pregnant, education being the key to everything in our world, we've got to give them a second chance. We've got to look at what opportunities we can create. That is why we're looking at the private sector in partnering with them and making sure that they can be skilled, they can go to universities, improve their educations, for them to be able to take over and be responsible in the upbringing of their children. But also that will also mean they will also be able to take care of themselves, they can be able to contribute to the economy of the country, and they can be assertive. So it's very much important for us to make sure that uh, we continue to skill upskill and the reskilling as part of a continuous work of us social development when it comes to our own beneficiaries but also look at other young people as you know that we're also responsible for substance abuse so it's one of the areas which we're going to relook at when we go to the sixth administration in a big way because it's one of the major challenges for us as a country and it affects whilst the old people but young people are victims of substance abuse and it also means therefore if we do not going to look at the substance abuse in a different way and being able to have partnerships work with everybody the churches civil society business in really trying to make sure that we deal with the challenges of substance abuse i must also say i've met for instance with um, what do the ABBEV, which used to be South African Brewery, I've told them, for instance, that in the Northern Cape, one of the biggest challenges is substance abuse, mainly alcohol abuse. So I've spoken to them to say we need to partner with them to help us in a program and making sure that our young people, they can help to rehabilitate, but also not only that, even if they drink, people must drink responsibly. So that will be part of the partnerships we're going to form. So we have a lot of religious sectors, people who want to partner with us and interested in various programs, but also we think everybody has a role in our country, including in the area of development. They are very key. What kind of opportunities can they bring and we partner, then we can change the lives of our people. We also talk about old people, by the way, you are also responsible for old people. But I'm also proud that we have a program of old people, elderly persons. They form their clubs and they have various activities. Some play soccer. I think you know that in Lubopo there are teams there. 
and they compete and we always have a competition on an annual basis. They sing. Those who are good in singing, they participate in singing. They do exercises at different times. So all those make sure that you have a healthy community. You make sure that they are able to live, but also be busy. Because as old people sit at home and do nothing, they become frail. But it also stimulates them mentally by being active and being involved in various activities. So I think social, social development to support such programs for elderly people. And it helps us to make sure that they feel that they are part of a society, they are part of a community. So these are the issues which we are looking at. Where we are right now, we're also looking at the social comprehensive, you know, comprehensive social system in our country. It's all about making sure that uh, everything has a social responsibility. We are reviewing the current policies where we'll be able to build a much more bigger pool of a social protection floor where nobody can be left out. Everyone can contribute with pensions. The, the road accident fund are being reviewed, the whole issue of uh, UIF, how best can we expand that no one is left out and cannot benefit. So these are some of the issues which we'll be really looking at when we come to the sixth administration as social development. So these are the key issues. When it comes to ECD, we're working with the Department of Basic Education because we believe that as a country, we need to move towards the readiness of the children to start at school. So that is why we're working with this basic education and making sure that basic education can start developing a curriculum, not a curriculum which starts at a later stage, but starts very early at the first 1,000 days because the first 1,000 days talks about the development of a child from birth to the age of being ready to go to school. So it's all that and Part of those responsibilities is that uh, we are social development and when it comes to practitioners or your educators when it comes to that level, basic education must take responsibility because they must make sure right from the early development of a child, the child gets ready to start going to school at grade zero. So if we, we work with basic education and it's some of the policies which we'll be looking at and being able to start phasing in and making sure that the small babies, as they get nurtured, they're being prepared and ready to go to school. But also when they've got challenges, social workers must assist to pick up challenges. For instance, if the child might be having challenges at home, it's the responsibility of the social workers working with basic education and making sure that immediately they can identify those problems. Abuse of children can be one of the priorities in assisting to really identify problems at an early stage. Then the social workers can assist and say how best do they refer and work with other stakeholders in making sure that the well-being of those children is taken on board. The department seems <coughs> so integrated with not just other government departments, <coughs> but in terms of organizations, corporates, humanity within mm -hmm. the country to make things operate and, and work effectively and, and taking a, a view of almost from cradle through to grave. Exactly. 
One of the, the issues, and because we are a, a gender-based show, is you also deal with gender-based violence. Uh, you've got shelters in place. Can you tell us a little bit about how some of that operates? Well, it's very important. First, uh, before I go to the shelters and what we offer as social development, we must thank our president last year, November, for hosting the summit on gender-based violence, but also committing in making sure that we don't have programs which are not funded because that has been part of the weaknesses we've had for a very, very long time. We have good programs, but if there's no funding, they are of no use. So we are happy that the president, when as we speak, really committed to say the country will make sure that gender-based violence becomes a priority. And the summit once created a small working group to relook and revisit all other policies and programs which we have as a country and taking them forward and making sure that the whole issue of gender-based violence is addressed accordingly. Some of the services which we are offering as social development, it's your white door uh, shelters. These are places for women who are abused in making sure that they can be protected because some need temporary shelter as they deal with their cases, but also as they have to run away from the abuser. So those are the shelters which we offer, the service we offer to women who have been abused. But also part of that, it also makes sure that if you deal with, you know, the issue of maintenance, also are responsible for it with justice. And the bulk of the women, some of the challenges they face is because men refuses to maintain and hence they become abused. So they have to be removed from their families. So those are some of the uh, provisions or services we offer to women and we also offer counseling on a regular basis we have social workers who are able to participate in assisting and as you know that as a country we also have two tutela centers which are part of programs in making sure that abused women can get service we know that people can say we're not very strong when it comes to our uh, justice system or judiciary but we are saying these are the issues which the current uh, working committee, presidential working committee, is looking at to say how best can we strengthen those institutions, including our legislation. But the key for me is that uh, whilst we talk about providing shelters, we also have to empower women. Mm. Because if women are empowered in education, if women are empowered and being able to take care of themselves, in reskilling, being able to get jobs, being able to be educated, then that that on its own will make them much more stronger and assertive. So these are the programs of social development we are working on. That is why we're working with private sector. We're looking at other government departments in trying to say how best can we have integrated approach in the empowerment of the women. But I must also say, as we deal with it, we also have to work with men's organizations because it's very, very important. We have to continue striving towards striking a balance because there's no society which is constituted by women. We have a societies which are both men and women. So the whole issue of power relations, we have to play a role in managing that. And therefore, by managing that, we must also make sure that men or young boys are also empowered so that they can be confident and compete fairly. But if we're going to empower women alone, 
it will continue to threaten the lives of women because the men will always say they don't care about me this society does not care about me and they become violent and they use their masculinity to address the problems so these are the issues which i think are fundamental for us as a country but also as social development and we're talking about a developmental state therefore everyone has to contribute that's why the vulnerable those who are able to empower and take them out of the quagmire we've got to do that and make sure that they move to the other streams or to the other areas in taking care of themselves because if we do that it all it will also make sure that both those people who are empowered can contribute to the economy because any country for its sustainability it's about people being active in the economy that's why the issue of making sure that young girls are given a second chance as they drop out of schools become a critical component of the empowerment and you know i always say for those who drop out of school because of one reason or the other but mainly because of pregnancy it becomes important for us to pick them up and help them to self confidence and for them to be part of the mainstreaming because if we don't do that we're talking about the fourth industrial revolution so we're talking about robots robotics and all that if we don't empower them it means they're going to disappear within our radar as a country and the next time we pick them up it's when they are old and that's not correct so we must make sure that we take a conscious decision by coming up with empowerment mechanisms for our young people both girls and boys because if we don't pick up the boys the boys end up being victims of substance abuse and then they become involved in all manner of wrong things so the balance for social development becomes very important because it's about picking up the society and being able to address those who are vulnerable and being able to make sure that they are back into the mainstream of our lives and i must also say the issue of gender based violence the current presidential working group i'm very happy they're also looking at the gender mainstreaming gender budgeting and how best do we make sure that the programs we have the issue of gender responsive budgeting is going to happen in our country because we come up with good programs as i've indicated no money so where we are we hope the sixth administration will really make a different impact you know for the past 25 years we've been in that space good policies good programs but always shortage of funding so as we move forward and talk about the empowerment of women i hope we'll see a big difference i know for instance that uh, in government especially as the governing party as we move to the sixth administration we're going to see a real 50-50 program where our list if you look at looking at the ANC list currently it talks 50-50 it's 50% women 50% men okay. so that it's very important because it's a consciousness decision to say don't leave men or don't leave women out because somebody decides they are less important so if we are able to take them along then it's part of transformation it's part of change it's part about the role of women in society without really saying somebody must wait for them by being conscious to say if you don't do it we're not going to work okay. together and in that i want to say to all other parties we hope they are going to do the same
It's a, it's a responsibility that should be upheld. Exactly. Minister, thank you very much for giving such a comprehensive overview of, of the department, what it's doing, of looking mm. at the future of women, where things are, are progressing to. Last week, South Africa called upon members of the United Nations Security Council to work uh, on a concerted effort to comprehensively deal with violence against women, which is one of the most pervasive mm. human rights violations during times of conflict. And South Africa has emphasized the country's belief that violence against women is a serious crime. As you've indicated, yeah. we had the gender-based summit uh, last year and that it warrants more urgent attention and decisive action from the international community. This appeal rightly calls for the international community to condemn violence against women, but it almost seems as though society is placing greater emphasis on trying to comfort existing victims rather than using every effort to prevent the next victim. And you've said it earlier in the conversation, everything is about education. Change starts with education, whether you're young, whether you're old. What's your opinion on education as a tool to change people's behavior towards women? Well, I must say that um, education becomes the key tool in changing attitudes, in changing mindset. and. What we are seeing, for instance, we're seeing more violence in the education space. And it's a big concern for us as a country where teachers, there's a lot of abuse of teachers, especially uh, lady teachers. So it's the transformation of our education needs to start to talking about the empowerment of a child, not only the girl child, including the boy child's attitudes, because we come from different backgrounds and some of the people even our terminology and our language tend to be promoting violence and it also tends to promote patriarchy you know for instance what we normally do as parents it's good when a boy child fights but it's bad when a girl child fights or a girl child beats a boy you say, no, you don't beat a boy. You're a girl. But a boy can beat a girl. The boy can beat a girl. That entrenches patriarchy right from early stages. It also encourages the boy that the boy must be stronger than a girl. So it's our terminologies, it's the language we use, which you also have to factor in. And that goes to the uh, areas of uh, where there's war in different areas. When you talk about peace processes, that's what makes that man believe in the war situation that they've got the power over women. And they continue to abuse women. Women become victims of rape. Hence, as South Africa, our role in most uh, war-torn areas, it's about making sure that our own forces understand that they are there to protect and assist women in the empowerment processes and make sure that they don't continue to be victims of those wars. And because most doors, women are the ones who become the most victims. So South Africa has really contributed within the war-torn zones. If you go to various areas, DRC, Sudan, they've contributed in peace building and the protection of women. And that's the role we want to see as South Africa, which we continue to play, protecting the vulnerable mm -hmm. and making sure that the women, when they get displaced, they get protected because most of the time they are the ones who continue to be abused
by the rebels in war-torn situations, including the soldiers who are supposed to be protecting them. So our role in the war-torn areas uh, within the UN Security Council, we've seen that it has contributed in the empowerment of women. And as a country, we've also made sure that uh, when our own soldiers are found to have committed such acts, we take action as a country. So it shows how serious we take issues of abuse of women. It's not about internally only. It's also about in any space, space we play a role, we are going to make sure that we are decisive and we are going to condemn not only verbally, but also we'll take action if one of our own becomes involved in any abuse of women. So we welcome that and we will continue and strengthen our missions when it comes to those areas in making sure that women becomes a priority. They get empowered, but not only that, they get protected. Protection. And the sad reality is that women and girls in particular fall prey to sexual offences, mm-hmm. whether it is in war-torn countries mm-hmm. or whether it is, unfortunately, closer to home. It's estimated that 90% of sexual offences are committed against women. And almost 30% of those crimes go unreported. In the last 10 years, from 2008 through to 2018, there were 584,497 sexual offences reported to SAPS. And in direct response to that statistics, there was a recent conference on women's rights which announced a new training initiative Mm -hmm. across the continent which aims to empower women and girls by providing them with the skills and know-how to defend themselves against attackers and more importantly to build their self-esteem, to know that Mm -hmm. they are more than capable of both protecting themselves as well as people around them. Having heard these statistics on sexual offence crimes. What are your thoughts about the importance of teaching women and girls how to defend themselves to prevent them from becoming victims instead of just relying on our current practice where we're teaching men to respect women as equals? I would say it's not this or that. It's all of these instruments we need to put in place because whilst we train women to defend themselves, we also have to train men to respect women. We also have to make sure that they get educated, that women are not their boxing uh, uh, backs. These are women, these are human beings. So that's why the issue of balancing, the training, the psychological impact of having men being also educated in respecting women goes the same way whilst we train. So we need every tool in making sure and recognizing that women can defend themselves, but also men must respect women because it's not about masculinity. It's also about psychological. We've got to prepare people to know. That's why the education at school level becomes very, very important in factoring the factor that young boys must respect girls, young girls, and they must understand that they are, they are equals. They don't see them as men being better than, or young boys being better than girls, and, bad, and women or girls being less intelligent. So that's the biggest challenge we have, and that is why even our system as a whole, it will also take police to be empowered, because if we think that it's 
for instance, there's the whole uh, mindset which says abuse of women must be dealt with by police women. I don't agree with that. Every police must be trained and be ready to assist at all times. If women come and report gender-based violence, every police has a responsibility to respond accordingly and be able to make sure that they give a service which can bring relief to the woman. And the woman must be satisfied. Not that because it's only women police, all police. There's no police who comes into that space and say, I'm going to make a preference. I'm going to deal with men. No, when you serve, you serve to service a society. You serve to service a community, both men and women. So you can't say you make preferences. If you do that, you're in the wrong space. And hearing your your answer here, I see this as this is responsibility of individuals, of women, of men, looking at the tools that they have, but also the responsibility of our social structures and governance Mm -hmm. to either protect women or to to make sure that these types of things don't don't continue to be perpetuated. Minister, we're coming towards the end of the show. And um, I'd like to ask you one of the questions I ask all my guests as as a bit more on a personal reflection is what have been some of the factors that you consider to have contributed to your success over the years? Well, I think um, part of the success is to be sensitive to challenges faced by our society as a whole. And one of those major ones which makes me to be what I am, it's the issue of the empowerment of women and the protection of women. But also the key for me, it's about building women who can be confident, who can be assertive. Sometimes when women are assertive, they say women are arrogant. They're not arrogant. They're expressing themselves. They're confident. They're ready to deal with any situation. That becomes very important. And my own success, it also talks to about being able to be humble. When you are humble, you are able to be receptive to challenges faced by society as a whole, especially women. I must say, for me, the issue of violence against women, I'm very sensitive to it because growing up in a space of patriarchy, it makes and sharpens your sensitivities and how you respond and see the issue and challenges faced by women in our society. So I would say that's what makes us. But if you are humble and always ready to serve, because if you serve, it's about being able to listen to all challenges facing our society and being ready to contribute in changing the lives of vulnerable people in our society. So that's what I would say makes me what I am today. And what would you say has been one of the biggest lessons you've learned in your career? Well, in my career, it's being to learn to listen. Because if you are not capable of listening and ready to help, you will not be successful. Because the jobs we are doing or the job I'm doing, it's about being able to serve all the time. And by serving, it's about serving the vulnerable, which include women. And that is why my portfolio now is about serving the vulnerable, which include even people with disability, which I'm very excited. You know, last week we've signed the African Union Protocol on Persons with Disabilities Rights. And we've acceded to that as 
government we've signed it the sixth administration we have our parliament will have to ratify that it also shows progress we are making as south africa even if we are not there that sixth administration sounds like it is going to be a very special period of of mobilization and implementation exactly i agree we've got to go back to our drawing back bring all the policies which some of them we have not implemented but it's about the next five years implementation implementation in changing the lives of our people and lastly as we close the conversation today we're now in africa month could you please share a few words of inspiration or wisdom that you'd like to pass on to young ladies listening to us well i would like to say to not only young and old women in africa to say this is a very important month but what we need to bear in mind which we tend to forget before the formation of the organization of african unity the pan african women's organization was formed a year before so it's very important and key to show that women continue to be leaders in any struggles and that's why pan african women's organization for us as women we must not abdicate our responsibility in making sure that africa realizes that women have always played a critical role in our struggles thank you so much minister thank you it's been a pleasure having you on our, our show today and uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule oh, thank you very much and welcome again for giving us and especially myself this opportunity to talk to the african community you have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to the Minister of Social Development, Susan Shibango.